What's up everyone, I'm your host Ryan Kramer and welcome to another wonderful episode of Crossover Commerce, episode 118 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I share and bring to you the best experts in the Amazon and e-business space and further as well. Uh, this is where I want to share their insights and bring the most important aspects of selling online. If you're new to the uh, show, welcome aboard and thank you for listening or watching along with us today on social media. Uh, this is, we wanted to bring on a special guest today who also has a podcast, but we wanted to pose the first question of where we are today. Creating streamlined integrations allow for accurate forecasting and realizations in capital management. So I wanted to title today's episode, Tech Stack for E-Commerce Businesses and their journey for to ERP. And that's for e-commerce businesses looking to scale and really making an enterprise solution uh, talking to and being available for e-commerce and e-business solutions. So we're going to get into that today. But as always, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong transfers more than $150 million a day. That's a lot of money to for e-commerce sellers just like you. If you're listening to this, we've helped over 1 million e-commerce sellers across the world and transferring to date over $90 billion in cross-border payments. That being said, if you want to sign up for a ping pong account, go ahead and click on that link below, or you can check it out online. It's going to be in the show notes. Definitely check out ping pong payments. It's free to sign up and it's going to save you money. What else is better than saving more money as a growing business? And we're going to be talking about that maybe a little bit today as well. Um, but about our guest, Sam Gutta is actually been an ERP thought leader in the digital transformation space for nearly two decades. That's a long time to be an expert, so we're going to call him an expert uh, with primary focus on financial systems and ERP. He has been a part of a large transformation initiatives for Fortune 500 companies and corporations, but now spends his time consulting with SMEs, small and medium-sized enterprises, as a principal consultant and CEO at Elevate IQ. Um, Sam has actually been involved with startup ecosystem in the last 10 years and has had experience in building and growing businesses from scratch. He regularly speaks in the industry conferences and contributes his experiences through many popular blogs, publications, and also has his own podcast called WBS Rocks, focused on business growth through digital transformation in ERP, where he interviews top influencers and executives in the supply chain, digital transformation, uh, and accounting spaces. I want to go ahead and welcome right away, welcome to, uh, to Sam Gupta of Elevate IQ, to Crossover Commerce. Sam, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. I am super excited to be here. I am a big fan of your show. I love your energy. So again, super excited to be here. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And that's the beauty of podcasting, right? We get to kind of reach a little bit further than our own initiatives in our own industries and to make sure that there's so many overlapping articles and business services that so many companies are out there are innovating and growing. Yours just happens to be kind of doing that on a day-to-day -day basis where you're taking capacities of different businesses and piecing them all together. And you're the expert in the space. Like I said, 20 plus years in, in the space is fantastic experience. Yeah, could not agree more. And uh, I would definitely like to add to what you just said about the podcasting. Obviously, it's a great journey. I just have so much learning on a daily basis. So I learn from that journey. And then I talk to very exciting businesses that are on their growth journey uh, with their business transformation, with their digital transformation. So obviously, I am going to have very compelling stories in terms of what has really worked for them and what has not worked for them. 
Well, I love that. Well, let's get right into it. So your background is is basically piecing together these massive puzzles and putting them together so they all speak with each other. Maybe from the get-go, when you say ERP, a lot of people may not be as in, may not know the basics of what a simple definition of an ERP is. So maybe we start there. What is, in your mind, the best way to explain an ERP or an enterprise resource planning uh, system? So there are various different school of thoughts, and I'm actually going to be touching on all of those from different perspectives. So number one is going to be really the, uh, let's break it down, you know, what an ERP is. So ERP sure. stands for Enterprise Resource Planning, okay? So what we are doing as part of ERP is we are managing the resources of an enterprise. Uh, the What kind of resources are we talking about here? So the majority of the time, the real value ERP going to, is going to bring is going to be in some sort of product-centric businesses. And those are going to be either your e-commerce, retail, distribution, manufacturing. These are our product-centric business just because they have a lot more moving pieces. So when we think of the resources, we are talking about all the resources that actually make your products, which is going to be the materials that go in, in the product, that is going to be your tools, machines, equipment, fixtures, whatever is going to be present in your warehouse or on the shop floor, all of that is resource. And all of this need to be planned to ensure that when you are running that expensive machine on the shop floor, uh, you need to make sure that you have the inventory. When you are in the warehouse as part of your e-commerce business, you want to make sure that you are not consuming too much time when you are walking from one step to the next, when you are doing the pick pack ship process. Uh, you know, so you want to plan all of these resources including the, the labor that is going to be important in each of the steps that you are going to have from the business process perspective. Now, let's switch to the other perspective, which is going to be slightly more software development perspective, okay? So a lot of people, when they think of ERP, they are thinking, you know what? There's such a giant system, old, boring, monolithic. That's what they are thinking of ERP, to be honest. I mean, that's how they are positioned in the market. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, the real sense, if you go back to your B school, uh, you know, in the management class, and one of the things that they used to teach is buy versus build. When okay. you are buying something off the shelf, you are buying a product. A product has been tried by somebody. It has a proven production process. It has a proven distribution process as well. Okay. So when you talk about buy versus build, if you are going to be building, you have to go through those iterations that is going to have financial risk for you and that's a significant risk that is something a lot of you know software developers or the software development community underestimates you know how much effort is involved in making the enterprise system again i'm differentiating here when you talk about let's say a, a program that i'm writing on my laptop you can write whole day nobody cares for it but when we are talking about the enterprise technology that is going to be used by multiple personas of the organization. That is going to be understood by multiple personas of the organization. That is going to be used by the users of the organization. When you talk about this cross-functional collaboration, okay, that's where the real challenge is in the software development. And that's where the ERP comes in. So when we talk about buy versus build, you are really buying a piece of technology 
that's already proven in the market. But if you have to build it, let's say if you are trying to create your own system, then that is going to be built. So in case of ERP, the whole notion is you are buying something that is already proven, tested, built from the market. So these are two school of thoughts. I can continue more uh, if you right. want me to. No, well, so when I initially think about that, the you think of like CRMs or customer resource management solutions, like yeah. uh, a Salesforce, that would be a product in your mind. Is, is Are we on the same page in that regard? Uh, absolutely. Salesforce okay. is going to be a product that's going to be a CRM product. In fact, uh, you know, sometimes what people think is, and, and this is probably a marketing problem, to be honest, uh, ERP always had this marketing problem because it was positioned as enterprise resource planning. And they typically think that it's going to be a question for every uh, answer for every single question that they might have. But that is not necessarily true. ERP has a very specific positioning inside the enterprise. CRM has a place in the enterprise architecture, in the business architecture. A business architecture is composed of many different systems. That includes CRM. That includes your ERP. It could have PLM. It could have your e-commerce website when we talk about the e-commerce business. Uh, it could have POS. Let's say if you have the retail outlet. So there are going to be many different systems. So yes, these are the, the off-the-shelf software that we are talking about that we are buying uh, from the market. Sometimes you might use a specialized CRM in your enterprise architecture. Sometimes you might be okay with the, the tiny weeny module that your ERP system is providing, depending upon how complex and how robust your ERP system is. Absolutely. So uh, at the end of the day, you're talking about ERPs and then solutions underneath it to help it all talk to each other. But ultimately, it's going to be creating a streamlined integration to allow accurate forecasting, uh, no matter who that business is, and obviously realizations of capital management. So you're talking about uh, you're talking about the logistics side of things. But you're also talking about sales side of things. You're talking about your uh, your your finance side of things. It's all going to come together as one cohesive solution so that you can save those time. Again, I call it the three uh, the three major things that you want to save in the in in the world: save your time, save your money, and save effort. Yep. At, at the end of the day, that that's what we're talking about. So very cool. Um, in that regard, what we have customers here or in people who are always listening to their, their sellers, they might be a one man shop, but as people scale, you're going to be talking about, and we're going to talk about this next week on our podcast of hiring more and more employees to the, the fold. You have so many different moving parts as a business in general, but as an e-commerce seller and as an entrepreneur, you're going to be growing that as maybe a one or two person show. And then you're going to be scaling out uh, your system. That being said, what are the at what point does it make sense to really put forth a an ERP system? Is it right away? Is it a certain size? Is it what are, what are those initial things we can look for? So let's focus on the e-commerce business because that's your target audience, right? Uh, sure. <clears throat> so in the e-commerce business, there are going to be designated inflection points. Now, when we talk about e-commerce, the definition of e-commerce could vary in B2C versus B2B. Sure. Uh, the product type could be different. So because of that, there are going to be some nuances in terms of when you are going to hit your inflection points. But the most general inflection points are going to be um, your $5 million, $10 million, $20 million, $50 million, $100 million, you know, $250 million. So the way the inflection points work is these are going to be your critical moments when you are going to be uh, growing faster. So either you need to add a lot of 
bodies, which is going to be uh, manpower. And when you add the bodies, now, why are you adding people? Are you adding primarily because of the increased admin effort? If you are adding that, then most likely you are ready for some sort of automation. If you are adding bodies to improvise your customer experience or provide the personalized experience, then that's a different case. Uh, a machine can never do or provide the personalized customer experience, and you are always going to need a lot more people there who are going to be responsible for that personalized, very deep experience, very, um, you know, the people who are going to be doing the handholding. So let's talk about the journey of uh, e-commerce, uh, you know, player. Uh, let's start from the startups. So the majority of these startups, they are going to start with some sort of, you know, e-commerce uh, phase if they are going, let's say, DTC. If they are starting on Amazon, then it's a different story. They might not even have a website yet, right? Right. So if they are starting on Amazon, they might completely outsource their CPL, their operations. So they don't have to worry about the fulfillment, the operations, and they might be managing their financials on the uh, on QuickBooks. They might not even be aware of that because they are working with an accountant who is actually managing that process. Right. Now, once you reach to that $5 million point, then one of the things that you are going to realize is that, let's say, if you are hitting $5 million on your Amazon channel, one of the problems that CEOs are going to face is, hey, I am stuck on Amazon. And tomorrow, let's say, if Amazon changes their policies, then I am dead in the water because I am completely reliant on Amazon. So you need to diversify your channel. So how are you going to diversify? So obviously, one of the things that you could do is you could do you could price slightly more DTC channel, which is going to be let's say if you create a website, if you want to have let's say the retail front, you could do that as well. But once you start doing that, the more channels you add, the more process complexity you are going to add because Amazon is just one process. Typically, the, the process fulfillment from the order to cash is going to be slightly similar unless you are talking about the specific Amazon processes. Now, if you add another channel, either it could be Alibaba, it could be uh, you know any other e-commerce channel, or it could be website, or it could be uh, mobile commerce. I don't know, man. I mean, there are just so many different options. There's a lot out there now. <laughs> In the marketing world. But at the end of the day, what you are trying to do is you are actually trying to capture that order. You are trying to process that order. You are trying to be faster than your competitors. Okay. So just coming back to your point about the systems in the journey when you are adding a lot of employees in the organizations. So you need to think about these inflection points and typically $5 million to $10 million is going to be a state when you are probably going to be require much tighter cross-functional collaboration. If you don't have that, then you are going to have increased effort. When we look at the process, for example, uh, a typical process in the e-commerce business is going to be order to cash, okay? I am not talking about what happens prior to the order. That's a different ball game altogether. That's a pre-sales process. That's the marketing process. That is equally important as well. But when we talk about the real dollars, you need to have control in the process. If you don't have control in the process, it can fire back in a lot of different ways. So when you look at this process, now, if you are starting as a startup, you have the e-commerce front, you might have a shipping software or module that you may have implemented on top of QuickBooks. Uh, you might have the inventory software, then you might have a full fulfillment software. So you have this big massive piece of puzzle that you are trying to solve. And each time what you need to do is when you have this piece of puzzle, each system is going to require some knowledge of your customers, 
your vendors right. and item. So one of the things that you need to do is now I have 15 different systems and it could be the same customer that you are talking to. Maybe you are serving, I don't know, maybe uh, Walmart, okay? Walmart is your customer. Now, Walmart could be in 15 different state and those state could be completely different. So now if you need to uh, provide a report related to Walmart, okay, what the hell is happening in the Walmart account? Do I know? So now I need to go to those 15 system. I need to get all of that data reconcile and assuming that each of these customer instances is going to be just one in the system it's not going to be multiple because they could have branches they could have corporate offices they could have so many different hierarchies inside that customer architecture by the way the same thing could happen in case of your vendors as well okay so you have complexity so typically when you reach to that five to ten million dollar point what you are going to do is you are going to add a lot more people in finance department you are going to add a lot more people in the operations department you are going to add a lot more people in the it department and the only thing they are doing is they are taking order from one system and they are putting in the next or they are simply compiling the reports when you are at that state when you are adding multiple people in the department that's when you need an integrated system that can talk to each other from the business process perspective Right, you're talking about the gaps in between the process that you're trying to you're trying to mitigate the the point of which I'm taking order from here, processing in our system, and then putting out to the next person in the in the process. And that that's something that I know most systems are trying to build on operational efficiencies, uh, receiving and paying. That's one of the biggest ones that can slow down if you have too much money out there. You don't know if your books are balanced, you have checks in the mail, or if there's just money out there, when it's not reconciled, all those kinds of things are hard for a holistic view to be to be made as a business when you know there's so many different moving parts in the business. And that's why it's super important to have you on because you're explaining that as you grow with more time and effort and success, obviously, that's gonna make things even more complicated because as you, at scale, there's so many moving pieces that it's not just you as a system where you're like, oh yeah, I remember where I put that invoice and I put it into the system. You could rely on yourself, but when you have 10, 20, 50, 100 employees, you have to rely on the systems put in place in order to make sure that you're not going to be losing time, money, or effort to make sure your business grows at scale. So with that being said, I actually had an example. I thought you thought uh, that this would be something that you, you guys fix at uh, LVIQ every single day. For example, with ping pong, I know in receivables department, let's say, for example, yep. this is a real life example that we use with the customer in just even nine minutes of time uh, that it takes to put a uh, receivable order in or receive it. it takes nine minutes to put it into your system. Yep. And if you ordering have 200 invoices on a single month times 12, that's 404, excuse me, 45 admin days per year that you would actually be able to save it that you're spending on just that one processes. And same with payables, we've actually looked at a customer seven minutes for a payable to put in a payable order 200 times over a cross of 12 months. That's 35 days of admin time that, you would, that you're that you spending on just this one processes. Is that is your ultimate solution is just to eliminate the time spent on minute tasks that can just be otherwise changed in a snap of a finger? Is that, is yeah. that maybe at the at the root of it all? Yeah, you are so spot on. In fact, right now you are talking about just one process, okay? And I right. am going to uh, I am going to bring some insights uh, in the data 
from one of the persons. I mean, see, he actually designed a lot of different accounting systems, to be honest. Okay? Uh, he has been in the market for roughly 60 years. He is one of the top, uh, you know, nine accounting tech star uh, in the world. He's very well worshipped. His name is Randy Johnston. And one of the things that he talked about is documenting the processes. An average business is going to have roughly 300 different monetary processes. And when you talk about monetary process, these are going to be the processes which are going to have some sort of dollar amount involved. That's where your accounting is most likely going to be impacted, or maybe it's going to be remotely impacted. But there are going to be some of the non-monetary processes as well. And those are going to be, for example, whatever you do in the pre-sales and marketing, uh, whatever you do, do in your engineering R&D department, um, so those are going to be so so in total you might have roughly 900 process or maybe 600 processes right in any given business Ryan you are talking about just one business process at this point of time and right. you are talking about the efficiency gains just because of this cross collaboration of the process just duplication of the effort across the system and the optimization uh, that you can get just by streamlining the the whole uh, value chain in your enterprise. So here we are talking when we talk about ERP and people have this tendency to think, hey, uh, it's almost like the binary thinking, either ERP or non-ERP. That's not how to think about ERP. <laughs> okay, again, we are trying to overhaul your entire business. Okay? What, what would you, I was going to say, let, let me interrupt real quickly, uh, Sam. What, what if, uh, if I hear this, I'm saying streamline. Yeah. Instantly, that throws up a red flag, not for a bad reason, but I know I heard, I hear a lot of people say, well, that just eliminates either someone's job to input. Like it could be like an accounting person just to put in systems. We're not talking about eliminating positions or manpower. We're talking about being more effective so that at scale, you can actually do a lot more with the same amount of time, correct? We're not talking about eliminating an, or uh, even AI or anything like that. We're talking about just making it faster so you can do more with the same amount of people, correct? So I am actually going to go back yep, to my <laughs> initial comment about the personalized uh, you know, right. customer experience. And one of the challenges, I am pretty sure, uh, Ryan, you called at least five businesses in your last month. And I can almost guarantee that you didn't enjoy the customer experience when you spoke to those businesses. And sure. the reason for that is sometimes you are talking to a bot, you are not really getting the answers to the questions that you are looking for. So you can always improvise in the customer experience. So this whole argument that technology is going to re replace people's job, the automation is going to replace people's job. No, that's not right. going to happen. You are always going to require a lot more hand holding in your customer experience department. That's your competitive uh, competitive advantage, uh, especially when you are talking about e-commerce business. I mean, e-commerce businesses are very low margin business. You have to build your thought leadership. You need to build your authority. You need to build that customer experience. You need to deliver fast. You need to be able to answer the questions for the customer. What is the point of just taking order from one system and simply putting in the other one? That does not add any value to the business. The customer exactly. experience, right? So, so to your point about the technology or automation is going to eliminate job, it's going to improve your business. It's right. going to make yourself ready for the next piece of growth. Well, that's the point I wanted to make because I know with a lot of technology efficiencies, a lot of people think that's eliminating of somebody literally in the, this. Maybe this is something that is, is still like a, a nerve in a lot of people's space this doesn't apply to like manufacturing or anything like that of you're picking up a piece and doing it 
that has to be done by hand. And instead you're putting in like a robot that can, you know, effectively do the same task. Essentially, this is not the case. This is taking the quantitative amount of time that you have and that you can actually do more with that time instead of actually eliminating that task entirely. The task is important itself. We know that for a fact that that's what your system is, is telling you, but that time can actually be utilized across more with scale and with more information and obviously talking to each other. So that's what we're talking about. And that's specifically what I wanted to call out and make sure yeah. this is not about elimination. This is about yeah. enhancement. Good point. Very good point indeed. Awesome. So with, with that being said, we, we cover this can really cover a lot of different categories, right? This can cover, uh, we're, we're going to be piecing together pieces from suppliers, uh, payroll, any sort of operations. What is the number one lift that you would see typically from your side of things that it's having the biggest impact in terms of growth, uh, in terms of enhancement? So yeah, so again, I think we need to go back to thinking about what a real ERP is. So again, ERP is a sort of, uh, you know, what how people like to interpret as, you know, once I have ERP, everything is going to be automated in my, my cooperation. Uh, that is not going to be the case. Okay, so for example, you mentioned about the payroll. So payroll typically falls outside of the ERP because ERP is typically worried about your operational process. It's going to be worried about the uh, about the financial process. For example, your main process from the ERP perspective is going to be that order to cash process, meaning you are capturing the order from multiple phases. It could be your mobile commerce, it could be Amazon, it could be Alibaba, it could be so many different, it could be EDI, uh, punch out system, you name it, right? So you are capturing the order at one place so that you have your centralized pricing, you have your centralized discount, you have your omni-channel experience from the customer perspective. When customer is actually going to call, you don't have to go to 15 different systems and take two days to be able to provide that answer. Now, what you are doing is you are coming to just one system and you are providing that insight only from, from one system. So I just want to make sure that, you know, the boundaries are set. So payroll is the side process, I would say, from the ERP perspective. It okay. is not the core process. But again, when we look at the growth journey of the companies, so when you are at, let's say, the $5 million point, right, you are probably not going to have as much budget in implementing, let's say, the specialized system for your CRM, uh, for your e-commerce. So what you might do is you might simplify and standardize your process, and you might utilize off-the-shelf ERP. That is not going to be as deep overall in the planning function. Uh, in the discounting function, in the customer, uh, you know, hierarchy, the way it is set up in the in the larger ERP system, but it is going to provide you the enough uh, that you need to be able to run the business. But then you are always going to require some sort of spe specialized business uh, system. Sorry. Uh, so in case of e-commerce business, now if you are going to replicate your e-commerce processes inside your ERP, it's not going to work. ERP systems are not designed for that. E-commerce processes are very different overall. When we look at the way Shopify is designed, the way Magento is designed, the way BigCommerce is designed, the way WooCommerce is designed, it's designed to be sort of the order taking interface, okay? Mm -hmm. POS, e-commerce system, they all have a place in the organization. And the reason why e-commerce companies need an e-commerce system along with an ERP system is because you have a very specialized need for your e-commerce because that's your bread and butter. 
you cannot survive without your e-commerce process. So at a minimum, you would need two systems. Okay, you could require third one. It could be a marketing automation system because the ERP is not going to be as good at marketing automation aspect of the system. That is slightly more pre-sales and marketing process. ERP systems don't care for that. Even if they started caring, it's going to be very hard because every step of the process, you are going to see these accounting things, which you don't want to see in your marketing. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want us marketing people to be looking at the numbers. That would be bad news for everyone. So uh, with that, but so with, with that being said, people might ask, why isn't a Shopify build it so that it is an ERP? But I feel like you, you answered that question in regards of it's a system that it's going to be unique for every business, right? Mm -hmm. It might be depending at scale where you might fit. They can't just build one solution for everyone. It has to at scale you that you're, you're the master in terms of customization. I would say in going in and each individualized company, you can say, all right, well, this is how many people we have. This is what sales we have. This is the type of order we need. And you tie it all together based upon their needs and not just a cookie cutter solution. Exactly. So some comments based on what you just said related to Shopify. Why is Shopify not ERP and why is not somebody building just an ERP for the e-commerce players? Uh, right. You know, why can't make it simple and just, you know, call it as e-commerce system, just one competitor, one market. You know, we don't have to worry about anything. It's going to be monthly, uh, you know, expense for myself as a customer. Typically, the software vendors that we have in the in the space, right? They don't think this way. ERP, when we think about from the process perspective, they are designed to serve multiple businesses. Shopify serves a very specific need for the e-commerce player. They are not trying to compete with the ERP vendors at all. So typically for the e-commerce, uh, you know, businesses, you are going to require, as I said, two different systems that is going to be your Shopify, which has a very specific functionality. For example, coupons. Uh, you know, you are not going to find coupons in case of your ERP. It's going to have only the pricing and discount because ERP does not care for coupons. Uh, it has nothing to do with your accounting that can be translated in your pricing and discount. Uh, there are going to be other things such as, you know, loyalty. Uh, you are not going to find that. This is very e-commerce POS kind of concept, which is going to be very front facing. Once you accept the order, after that, whatever happens, that's what ERP is going to care about. But you don't want to make your Shopify an ERP. That's going to be a terrible mistake because Shopify is not designed for that. That is going to be extremely, extremely expensive. Uh, and that is going to that is going to be very hard to maintain. I don't know. I mean, there are like thousand issues that I can talk about right now. Uh, right. You know, why that would be a terrible idea. Uh, but you know, you want to have the the system need based on the process need that you have from your business perspective and identify the right system and identify the integration as well, which could be an ERP project itself. Because integration, when people say that, you know what, Shopify integrates with my ERP, you know, it's all said and done. They again have this sort of binary uh, thinking when they think about the integration. But when you map one data, you know, base to the next database, you need to be thinking about each of the fields and how that is structured in each of those systems and create that project. So either you are going to do that or a vendor is going to do that. So if you are buying, let's say, pre-built integration, that is going to work seamlessly in these two systems. But again, a lot of people think that, you know what, I got my ERP, everything is going to be so good. Uh, you know, there's not going to be any problem. Everything is going to be integrated. That's not how software systems work typically. Right. What is there a, a notion out there where a lot of people say, I will fix this problem by buying more software instead of having a, someone like yourself or your team come in and say, hey, listen, this is how we can tie everything together. One simple, simplistic solution instead of 
people constantly or uh, business owners constantly just saying, I'm going to add this and it's going to tell me about this. And it's going to have all these stacks on top of each other. That would, uh, that would, in my mind, create more problems than actually solving a simple solution. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, it's very fair to say. In fact, let me see. I'm actually going to tell you the couple of stories and data points that is going to be around this topic as well. So Excellent. the data points that I have is 90% of the business, they are just over buying the software. That's the problem that they are running into. Okay. And typically when the purchase decisions are made in the, uh, in the corporation, they are going to be at the department level. So let's say if the marketing is going to have a problem, they are going to go ahead and they are going to simply, uh, you know, sign a purchase order and they are going to buy a software. So typically consultants like us get involved when they have too many softwares, but they are not necessarily getting the business value from the software because these software are going to be extremely overlapping and they are not even being utilized, let's say 20% of their capabilities. They are simply being duplicated. You have to uh, you know, uh, create a lot of different reports. So what I am going to say is when I walk into a facility, majority of the time, the problems that we see is going to be 90% of the time, they are simply over buying the software and these software are going to be very siloed in nature. They don't talk to each other. They are not integrated. And because of that, they need to buy another software. Okay, on top of that, another software <laughs> to fix a problem. So it's the, uh, when we look at the overarching, the enterprise architecture, when they reach, let's say 10, $15 million uh, point, then we are going to get some sort of RFE. And they are going to say that, you know what? These are the 15 systems that we are using at this point of time. And this is this was the purpose they were bought for in the organization. Right now, our challenge is the systems or the architecture has become the bottleneck for us, we are not able to scale because you know we just have too much chaos in the company. And right now, our goal is to streamline this architecture, meaning simplify the architecture from the business perspective, from the process perspective, but as well as from the system perspective. So right. we are going to be identifying the right pieces for the right job with the right uh, you know interactions involved in the uh, enterprise and business architecture. Well, I feel like softwares nowadays are actually marketing towards this specific problem. To be honest with you, I think that their their quote unquote problem that they're fixing is a solution that says, "Hey, need a need a solution because you have all these different other software products talking to you in different capacities." You see it all the time. Of hey, do you have Slack? Do you have Magento? Do you have Shopify? Do you have all these different platforms? How you're talking to customers or your internal team? Here's another piece of software that's going to talk to all those and have it all in place. So that's where I think that it's confusing for a lot of even business owners nowadays, how at scale they're being marketed to in the capacity of buy another software to solve your software issue. Is that fair? Yeah, completely agree. In fact, I'm actually going to tell you one story of a person who has been in the retail space for what now 30 years, I guess, right now. Uh, he used to work for Ralph Lauren in the merchandising department, uh, you know, big executive. And one of the challenges that he mentioned during his uh, or our conversation is it's very hard to keep up with the software. When people talk to these software vendors, everybody is going to claim that I can do pretty much everything. That's not true at all. Okay, you are designed for a specific job. And if you are installed in that specific job, 
within that boundary, you are going to be really good. But then we get into this whole, you know, sales process. Sometimes salespeople are overselling the software. Because of that, you are going to have a lot of problems overall in the business. Then you are going to see a lot of lawsuit. And that's why you see in the ERP world, you are going to see that, you know what, 70 to 80% of the digital transformation initiatives fail. Okay, they fail. Number one, the business is not simplified. The business is not documented. The business architecture is not really captured on paper. And I use this analogy when you are building a city, when you are building an airport, when you are building a house, you are never going to start by laying the bricks or you are not going to start a Ryan. You know, you know, Ryan, I have my room. I want my room in this particular fashion. I'm going to build it today and tomorrow you sister, you figure it out. That's not my problem. Okay. This right. is how the ERP world works. Okay. Here we are talking about, I am marketing. I have my marketing budget. I am going to fix this from the marketing perspective. I don't care what you do in the accounting and operations. Okay. If you take this approach, you can imagine how chaotic that house or city or the airport is going to be. First thing that you need to do is you need to print your business architecture. That includes how your customers are going to be represented in the system. Who is going to have source of authority? How the interaction and collaboration is going to work across the system. When you talk about e-commerce system, when you talk about ERP system, who is going to have authority? When you talk about punch out system, where the data feed should be going. Should it be going in the e-commerce? Should it be going in the ERP? If ERP is your source of authority, if it is the financial control, if it is the financial glue that you are creating, most likely uh, you want to create that inside ERP because that's what your centralized bus is. But now if you talk to an e-commerce vendor in the market, they are going to say, you know what? It should go to e-commerce. But then you are going to run into a lot of challenges because whatever channels are coming to the e-commerce, the pricing and discounting may be centralized for those channels inside that e-commerce system. But once you get outside of that, for example, EDI, now are you going to get EDI as well in that feed? No, 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 no. That's not how enterprise architecture is supposed to work. Okay, enterprise architecture is supposed to have some sort of centralized authority. It's going to be one system that is going to be ERP system. That's why it has the name called enterprise resource planning. Other systems are going to be really the edge systems. They have their place. They have their place for the specific process, but they need to be talking to your ERP when they need a, a specific data. For example, the, the ERP is going to be your source of record for a lot of different records. There are going to be situations in which case your edge systems could act as the uh, as your source of authority just because in that specific business process, it makes sense to have that system as the source of authority. But in most cases, you want to centralize everything in your ERP so that you have the financial control because tomorrow when you are going to add new channel, because today when you look at e-commerce, we have Amazon, Alibaba. Tomorrow there might be another startup that might come in and they might say that, you know what? I have figured out a better business model. I'm actually going to uh, you know give you far better margins. So then when you are going to add that channel because you want to do that, from the sales and marketing perspective, nobody likes to lose revenue, right? right? Once you do that, then you have to figure out, okay, now where is my enterprise architecture? That's going to be an afterthought. So the more you think about the architecture, uh, you know, on the paper, how it is going to scale as you are adding more channels, as you are adding more resources, as you are adding more sites, as you are adding more warehouses, as you are adding <laughs> more right. companies in your portfolio, 
as the kingdom grows, as the kingdom grows, you need to have space to do that. And that's what we tell people too. always, Sam, is when you're going to not, if you're thinking about your business today, your brand today, yes, you might only be selling one channel. You might only be selling on Amazon, but what does that look like in six months or a year? Or at, if something crazy like 2020 comes along and you need to pivot your business. Now I'm wholesaling to a business. Now exactly. I'm actually in retail stores. Now I'm going to be building and growing on international level oh, I realized, I didn't realize that I need to have products that are logistically going to different companies or being translated in different kinds of languages or even receiving different kinds of currencies. And all of that kind of talks to itself of, it's scary for a lot of businesses to now all of a sudden look at their little bubble, see what they can control. And at scale and growth, you see all these different barriers, if you will. That's personally why think that there's a lot of businesses that are just don't want to actually push those boundaries and they're just happy where to grow or grow internally and where they're at. But that's not fostering an entrepreneurship. That's just, I don't want to have to handle that and grow. And I don't know how to problem solve. So wh where, where do you guys come in? Where, where, what's the, what's the process? Like you step in, you say, listen, it's a little bit easier in this capacity. We're going to build this so that it's not a bookend. It's an opportunity for you to add in another chapter to your story. What does that look like in that processes for you and your team? So typically our involvement, you know, we get involved in a lot of different capacities. Sometimes it's going to be simply selecting a system and how that is going to fit in the enterprise architecture. So one of the, the major advantages that we have as part of our core expertise is going to be the expertise of multi-systems. That is very rare to find. Um, you know, you might know one, you might know two, but when you are talking about the entire uh, enterprise architecture and building that enterprise architecture for scale, uh, that is very rare expertise that you are going to be able to speak at the 100,000 level, but also at the at the bits and bytes and, um, you know, how data is going to be exchanged. So our expertise is going to be when you are buying, let's say, uh, 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 off the shelf module, how this is going to fit and, and, and going to be integrated in the enterprise architecture. So number one, you are not wasting your money in the additional licensing because you might be overbuying that software. The same argument that we discussed that 90% of the companies are actually overbuying the software. Uh, they have very this uh, you know problem driven approach that I have a small problem I need to fix this within two days and the problem is going to be solved by this software. But in uh, in most cases uh, your software is never going to solve a problem unless you streamline your process unless you streamline the the architecture. So again our involvement is going to be number one is um, just if uh, companies require help in selecting a software that is going to provide the the real business value for the corporation. The second kind of engagement that we get into is companies have invested a million dollars. Okay, and the implementation is not going anywhere to be honest. And the reason right. for that is because they are trying to over engineer. Okay, they are trying to over create the system, and that's the most common cause uh, of the problem. Uh, that didn't need to happen because there was already an off the shelf system that you could have bought. I'll give you one story. So, this story is of an ERP system, they are more of the uh, you know, in the wine distribution space, they have a e-commerce front. Uh, they were trying to uh, implement a mid-market ERP, uh, and uh, the the wine business has very unique business process. For example, your sampling. Okay, the sampling does not exist in other industries. Uh, the way the contracts are going to be, the way your inventory is going to flow is very different in that space. So what these guys did is, hey, I'm a technical guy. I can create anything. I can I can fix anything. Okay, so these guys went there and coded in the ERP. And again, I mean, the, the, the meter is running because people are really getting billed. They are putting a lot of effort. So, you know, they invested a million dollars. And finally, when we came in, it was... Uh, 
I mean, we thought that, you know what, whatever you have created it already exists. You can get that for, let's say, $10,000 per, per year. Uh, you know, it's going to be a subscription. So why do you need to invest a million dollars? And there is no guarantee, by the way, that this software is going to work because creating an enterprise software is hard. Creating a software that runs on a laptop is a very different ball game. Typically, in software, there are going to be three things that are going to be really important. It's going to be your code that anybody can write, really anybody. Even if you didn't go to school, you can probably write. The second is going to be the marketing aspect of the code. When you write, somebody else should be able to understand that. And that's where the biggest problem is. Okay, When you write, nobody is probably going to understand because it's not a well-documented code. When you look at uh, you know, companies like Salesforce, SAP, they follow a process in creating the software. That's why their software work. They are superior. They can be adopted by resellers. They can be adopted by customers easily. So that's the second problem. The third problem is going to be the infrastructure. Okay, That is the third leg of the stool that you want to think about when you are thinking of the, the enterprise software or ERP. So overall, uh, you know, these are the three things that you are going to be thinking uh, from the enterprise software perspective when you are trying to implement these things. So in that in that capacity, do you? A lot of that makes complete sense to me. So I'm trying to. Is it easier for you as a company or maybe even a business to start with an ERP when they're smaller or at growth and scale? You're holistically looking along the way and say, fix this all at once in one fail swoop. Is it easier to grow with an ERP or would it be easier to just dismantle and implement at a certain level? So I would think that every 10 years, your business process is going to change so materially and technology is going to so move so much that you would probably require uh, some sort of new ERP. So you don't want to think beyond uh, those 10 years timeline. Now to your question, when is the right time? Depending upon what stage you are in in the business, I would say if you don't have IT background, if you don't understand how to implement an ERP, you don't have a teammate who has ever run a company that was $10 million in revenue, uh, either hire somebody who knows what they are talking about or uh, you know, work with somebody who really have experience implementing uh, these ERP systems because that could be a make or break for a company. So typically, if you are looking at roughly below $5 million point, you can literally run your business on paper, to be honest. You don't need fancy technology. Technology is expensive and risky. So if you are, let's say, below $5 million point, get Shopify, get your QuickBooks, you know, just do everything manually. But once you outgrow that $5 million point, and uh, you need to monitor how your sales is growing compared to your expenses. If your expenses are growing at a higher rate than your sales, that's the time that you need to be thinking, okay, what the hell is going on? Because now if I keep growing like this, I'm not going to sustain. Okay, so that's the a little financial insight for a lot of organizations. So that is typically the indicator that you are going to find in a lot of businesses that they might be at an inflection point. And typically, inflection point requires either in the change of strategy, it's going to be it's going to require some sort of you know change in the way your organizational structure, maybe simplifying the product, maybe simplifying the value proposition, or maybe implementing an ERP system. Who knows? But it right. has to be the analysis has to be comprehensive overall. So roughly, I would say ten million dollar is probably the first point. But after that, every ten years or maybe eight years, depending upon how fast you are growing, you might be buying a lot of different companies. That brings that 
changes your entire company when you buy a lot of different companies because now they, they are coming from a very different business process from a very different culture so how do you integrate them right so it's a, now you are part of a very new organization so in the new co you need to create a very different business architecture you need to create very different systems and processes to be able to survive well same you brought up a good point too with mergers and acquisitions because this is not a space where people stay stagnant for long. There is a lot of growth opportunity and you see this now in the news every single day. Businesses are acquiring brands. They're looking at different, even at valuating companies. It's important to know that the first thing that they look at is a clean book. So you have to know that sales and inventory is speaking and it is actually what it's, you're saying it is. And that system is actually going to be relied you know, on the seller or on the software or ERP that you have in place. So that being said, it's always important to know that if you are selling or even acquiring, you have to say, it's not going to be identical to what you're already working with. I know lots of different sellers and e-commerce businesses, they have way too many software solutions out there and they're not even actually being used. But when you're acquiring it, you have to account that as debt or you have to count that as an expense. All those kinds of things where you have to eliminate and then re-merge uh, the solutions together. So is that is that the, your favorite kind of project is when you have to work with two different kinds of solutions and you get to merge them in one? Is that probably your favorite or what would be the, the number one client that you love working with? So I love working with pretty much everybody, to be honest, because, right. uh, you know, it's <laughs> equally challenging. And I don't know if I'm going to have a favorite client, to be honest. They all have equal number of problems. <laughs> and, if you have you a know, problem, you're there to fix it, right? Yeah. I mean, we help a lot, obviously, right? I mean, see, their life is going to be easier. So it's 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 a lot of value for them. But obviously, they have a lot of chaos. Um, so to your point about the MA, and we talked to sales side of the MA, we try to talk to buy side of the MA, we talk to the people who have actually sold the businesses. And, and that's the beauty of a, a podcaster, because you can talk to a lot of different uh, you know entities. And one of the things that you know, if you talk to any buyer in the MA community, okay, one of the things that they are going to do, especially right now, let's say if you are an e-commerce owner and you are listening to this episode, okay, if you are uh, you know prepping to sell this business to somebody, one of the first things that this MA person is going to do is install an ERP system. And the reason why they are installing an ERP system is when you look at these lifestyle businesses, when you look at these owner-owned businesses, it has a very tight coupling overall with owner in the decision making in the business process. Okay. So one of the first thing that MNA people do is they try to decouple decision making, they try to decouple the management, the ownership from your daily operations. And that's where your ERP systems can help. Now, when you are going to go to your, your buyer and you are going to say that, you know what, I have this fancy product, I have this amazing customer list, I have this market share, and they are going to say that, you know what, it doesn't matter. What are your processes? How is your business model defined? Are you serving just one customer that is bringing 100% of the revenue? Are you completely right on the Amazon channel? Your business is worth nothing, okay? The reason why it is worth nothing is as the CFO, as the financial person, it's a huge risk for me, okay? If I Amazon changes their policy tomorrow, what is going to happen to my business? So the more you diversify your business, okay, from the channel perspective, from the customer perspective, and one of the easiest way to diversify without adding too many people and too many, uh, you know, operational complexity is probably going to be that core, which is probably going to be your ERP system that is going to make it slightly easier because let's say today you are serving more in the retail fashion. Tomorrow you get a customer and Walmart is saying, you know what? 
I want to buy from you. I will, uh, you know, cut you hundred thousand dollar check today. Uh, are you ready to accept my order? And uh, you know the and you are going to say, you know what? My systems are not ready. I don't have people who have experience in the wholesale business. Let me hire these people and then I'll come back to you. And they are going to say, you know what? Go figure and I'll talk to your competitor because they are ready right now. <laughs> right. I don't think you want to tell Walmart, hold please, or anything along those lines of we're not ready and capable to to do that. And that's and that's a scary thought as an entrepreneur. You want to have all these opportunities available for you. But if you have to say no because of lack of capability, not because you don't want to, that's a scary notion, I would think, for as a business owner. So here's another problem. Let's say if you said yes, when you didn't have capability, and that is the problem that most entrepreneurs face, okay? They are most likely going to say yes. And now what is going to happen is, if you mess with Walmart or Amazon, they will make sure that you don't stay in business, <laughs> okay? Yeah. So so again, you don't wanna overcommit these big boys because obviously they are extremely powerful. You wanna commit for something that you are really able to deliver. And again, you are not going to have that insight unless you have that tightness of the process, unless you have figured out where are those slices from the PRL perspective that tomorrow if I had uh, you know $1 million extra in my bank account, where am I going to invest in, in my business? Do I have enough insight on my fingertips, inside my head? And that is something you are never going to have if you have very isolated systems where you know the insight is really coupled with the management, with the owners. Right. Or even just hiring yourself with time and money and other employees yourself. You don't want to have to spend that time to, to educate that yourself. You want to have the systems in place that grows with you and can speak effectively for you in that regards. Awesome stuff. And obviously, uh, we wanted to give a shout out to people who are listening online. I know you know Francois uh, as well from Link Up Leaders. So just shout out from Francois who's watching as well. But that'd be, uh, the, we, we talked about podcasting and you're a podcast host. Uh, so Sam, let me ask you this question. As a host, we are constantly talking with other people in the space and we have different topics of conversation, right? We are very blessed to talk with people all across the world, uh, even in our own backyard. My favorite question or my question to ask other podcasters is this, what's the favorite thing you've learned this year from being, from having hosts on your show or having guests on your show as a host? So one of the, the best learning I would say, or the personal development, of, I think you are asking, right? Uh, right. Is, so from the personal development perspective, I was never a public speaker, man. I mean, it was a very <laughs> frightening experience for me, to be honest. Okay. And based on podcasting, to be honest, I mean, when I listen to myself, when I look at those sound waves myself, when let's say if I'm editing the, the conversation or I'm simply paying attention to that, that provides the feedback loop for me personally, that I never had in my entire life. People used to say that you have tons and tons of problem, but they never told me how to fix those. And if you don't have that insight, how to fix that. So I had to discover that myself. Uh, overall, from this podcasting journey, I am far more confident uh, speaker. I'm far more articulate. I can present myself publicly, uh, you know, uh, in far superior manner than I could do if I didn't do the podcasting. That's fantastic. Well, that that's always a personal growth. And I know when I started this, I was a, a sweaty, hot mess. I would say I was, I was late to the recording. I think it was something as, as simple as, I don't know what questions ask people, but I think this is one of the things that you learn as you do a hundred, I think 117 or 18 of these episodes now that I've done, I know you've done way more is just actively engage with your guest or guests. You have a round table of at least 
five plus or five or so guests at a time, correct? So yeah. you're managing multiple people, but also trying to have a, a great moving conversation towards an answer or uh, having <laughs> one topic that's tough with multiple people. Is that, but is that your favorite realm of a way to ask people in a round table or is it more one-on-one -on -one approach? So we have multiple formats. So we started as one-on-one. -on -one. That's the, the podcast that we have. Okay. We don't do multiple people on our podcast. Then sure. we have our LinkedIn live shows. We don't necessarily record the podcast as part of LinkedIn live, uh, okay. but we are planning to put them in the podcast as well as part of panel. Just one bit. I'm going to tell you just the difference in both formats. I actually enjoy multiple people more because you don't have as much pressure overall. And, in asking the question because there are going to be multiple people who are going to be speaking. To be honest, that's far easier. <laughs> Great. You can sit back and you ask one or two questions and you let five people answer that. And all of a sudden you're at an hour. Thanks folks for joining in. The, the challenge that you run into in that they become more of the political debate, to be honest. Okay. That becomes more of the CNN conversation. So uh, sometimes, yes. sometimes you might not get the insight that you were looking for on a specific topic. It's fun though. I mean, sometimes it, it's good to have fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good break in your day, right? When you can have multiple people and you find two people that will pit against each other and, and really go at it. But that being said, I think you're right there. There's pros and cons to both. Um, when you're having a conversation like this, it's like a, a peek behind the blinds of a personal conversation and that people get to uh, look and listen to whenever they want. But at other points, you want to have multiple different points of view for a specific conversation. So depending on the format, that's excellent. So that being said, I know we're close to the top of the hour. Wanted to give you a platform and the ability to say, if people wanted to reach out to you or if they want to connect with you, just learn more about either WBS Rocks or um, Elevator Q, what, what would that be? So the easiest way is I'm super popular on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's going to be S-A-M, Sam is the first name. Last name is Gupta, G-U-P-T-A. Uh, WBS Rocks, WBS.Rocks uh, is the name of the site. If you fill the contact form, one of the team member is going to help you get in touch with me. Uh, if you ping me on LinkedIn, I'm super responsive there. Uh, or you can go to our Elevate IQ site, which is E-L-E-V-A-T without an E. Uh, and IQ at the end, elevateiq.com is the domain, the same process in getting in touch with me. And I'm pretty sure you are going to have that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. It's already in the show notes too. We made sure it was in our title too. Connect with Sam on LinkedIn, everyone. And uh, definitely check out his podcast. It's, it's super fascinating. It's definitely outside the realm that I'm used to when I listen to my shows, but I love uh, learning about different topics of conversation. It really elevates you as a both entrepreneur, but also as a human being too. You always have to push your boundaries. Otherwise, if you're just staying stagnant, you're not growing. So that being said, thank you so much, Sam, for hopping on Crossover Commerce. It was a pleasure having you on uh, in your busy schedule, but we'll make sure everything is linked in the show notes below for sure. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. Again, Sam from Elevate IQ. Everyone check him out. It's in the show notes below. Go ahead, check out the website or connect with Sam on LinkedIn as well. Follow his podcast, WS Rocks. Go ahead and I believe weekly uh, they're putting on podcasts and he also goes live on his LinkedIn show just to grow on the ERP side of things. But that being said, this is Crossover Commerce. This is episode 118. This is a show where I go live on social media, but also you will find us in all your favorite podcasting uh, networks, whether it be Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and search for Crossover Commerce and go ahead and be and like that and rate us because you want to be notified when future episodes come out as well. If you want to go ahead and watch the video content and take show takeaways, we have a new website. It's going to be linked in this website as well in the comments section. Go ahead and check that out. It's hosted by our friends over at Casted. Go ahead and check 
that out because we want to make sure you know an hour-long episode isn't always the best way to consume a content, but we want to make sure that there's highlights, takeaways, and you can actually look at the transcripts itself to make sure that you understood what we talked about. If you happen to miss an episode, go ahead and check that out as well. Go ahead and uh, we'll catch you guys next time on Crossover Commerce. We'll be going live here on Friday um, with James McConnell. We'll have episode 119, Amazon Restock Limits with him. He has uh, cracked the code in terms of what's going on with Amazon sellers, but also how you can predictively help yourself moving into Q3 and Q4. He's going to look at some data and insights that he and his team are actually looking at. So we'll make sure we uh, get a look behind the curtain with him as well. Again, Ryan Kramer with Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care.